you know, it's interesting. Um, I was sharing with Brenda this morning as we were sitting and chatting as I've been in this last month with you all. It seems like things that I kind of worried about happening in the last year and a half happened this month. And one was to arrive to copy the bulletin on Sunday morning and the copier not working. And so I think I'm, I'm really thinking that I may have checked off everything I worried about. We're going we're gonna to claim that, okay? That all that has happened this, this month. Um, and also in my last month with you, I've chosen messages and scriptures that I wanted to share with you, that, that, that are on my heart to share things with you. And today's scripture is, is one of those as well. And I'm reading from Exodus uh, chapter 16, verses 9 through 18. Hear these words. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to the whole congregation of the Israelites, Draw near to the Lord, for he has heard your complaining. And as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the Israelites, they looked toward the wilderness, and the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. The Lord spoke to Moses, I have heard the complaining of the Israelites. Say to them, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall have your fill of bread, and then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. In the evening, quails came up and covered the camp, and in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the layer of dew lifted, there was on the surface of the wilderness a fine, flaky substance, as fine as frost on the ground. When the Israelites saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, it is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather as much of it as each of you needs, and, and Omar per person, according to the number of persons, providing for those in their own tents. The Israelites did so, and some gathering more and some less. But when they measured it with an Omar, those who gathered much had nothing over, and those who gathered little had no shortage. They gathered as much as each of them needed. May God grant us understanding of these words this day, the word of God for the people of God. Praise be to God. So we've all heard it. Are we there yet? Has it been the five minutes? How much longer until we get to the beach, to Grandma's house, to Disneyland, to the store? When can we stop and go to the bathroom? When are we going to eat? These questions are the not-so-musical refrain of those who imbibe on vacation and travel. In 2001, David and I loaded our four children, ages 7, 11, 13, and 15, the older three boys and the youngest a girl, into our old Chevy van. We're talking kind of a 69 version of a Chevy van. Old. 
and an equally old tent trailer and spent the, the summer traveling all over the United States. Our budget wasn't huge, and we decided that we wanted to spend our money on experiences rather than on motels and eating out. So we brought coolers and, and cookware and all of that stuff. And we made sandwiches for lunch and all of, those, all of those things. And we did that. It was the trip of a lifetime. My kids still talk about it. Um, little seven-year-old is now 29. They talk about it fondly. You know, when we came up with this idea of how to, send, how to spend David's sabbatical from being a pastor for that summer, we thought of all kinds of things we could do, but we thought of this idea of giving our kids this trip of a lifetime. And honestly, it was our trip of a lifetime as well. We decided that the kids would either be fast friends or mortal enemies by the end of the summer. You can imagine. From visiting um, with friends and family to visiting something called the Corn Palace in, the, in Minnesota. I think it was Minnesota. It might have been Ohio. Anyhow, to, um, to seeing a shuttle launch in Florida to spending time in Washington, D.C. and New York City. Think about it for a minute. The summer of 2001, we were there at the end of July. And then from there, we went to New York City and Niagara Falls. We went to the Great Lakes. We spent some time in Canada. We went through Mount Rushmore, Wall Drug, we also went through Glacier Park and lots of other things in between. The guys wanted to do space and aviation things and I wanted to do history, so we came to a balance. But there was this time, time that we spent as a family that was priceless. Adventures abounded. The old van broke down a time or two the trailer had a flat tire outside of Mount Hood. Do you know that buffalo look very much like big boulders when they're sitting on the side of the road and you look behind you while you're changing a tire? Yeah, adventures. Some days were hot and there was an incredible rainstorm one night in the Midwest that we had never experienced anything like it before. Even when we lived in Indiana, this was... This was you know, clash and crash and rain pouring. We pulled over. We got pulled over in North Dakota because we had a couple of, you know those fuzzy dice that hang from the rearview mirror? We got pulled over because we had dangling articles on our mirror. My guess was they thought we were hippies and wanted to see what we were up to. Imagine that patrolman's surprise to see four children sitting in that old van. I'm guessing we were pulled over because the highway patrolman was bored. That person might think differently later. 
So we have the have this trip, and I have to admit there was a share a share of complaining that happened. You know, kind of like if you guys don't stop fighting, we're going to pull over. We did that a couple times. The complaining that they were tired and they were hot and they were hungry because you know those old '69 Chevy vans didn't have AC. We rolled down windows, but oh, did we have fun! But there were complaints, and you know what? The kids weren't the only ones complaining. The adults were as well. So when I think about a journey into the unknown, a journey that might be full of adventures, I understand that complaining happens. And our story today talks a little bit about that. The Israelites have crossed the Red Sea and stepped into the wilderness. The, the beautiful vision of that event has kind of faded from some of their memory, and they are faced with wilderness. The scripture tells us that it was the 15th day of the second month, so roughly six weeks into the journey, and most of the food provision that they had brought with them had been used up. The Israelites were hungry, and they were tired, and the Israelites complained, all of them. And to understand the magnitude of what that would be like, think about 600,000 fighting men plus others. This could be 2.5 million people to 3.5 million people. Think about the magnitude of that for a moment and think about the complaining that could be heard. Verse 2 of that scripture, you know, that comes before that scripture said, In the desert the whole community grumbled at Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out here in the desert to starve. This entire assembly will starve to death. And I'm wondering, though, as I hear that, if they've forgotten what conditions were like in Egypt. You know, maybe they've forgotten why they asked God for deliverance in the first place. And I'm thinking that I can relate a little bit when you think about how the fear of the unknown can make us grumpy. So they grumbled. They complained. And I'm sure Moses and Aaron felt considerably worse than two parents sitting in a minivan with a bunch of kids going on a long trip. I'm thinking that they, they felt much worse than that. So I can't relate to that completely, but I do relate a little bit to that fear of the unknown making me grumpy. I don't know if you, you have that experience or not. When anxiety comes up, are you grumpy? Do you complain? Imagine the scene. Moses and Aaron might have said, 
We have brought you out of slavery. We have saved you from oppression. We have helped you cross the Red Sea. We have talked we have taken you to the beach, to Disneyland. You know, like anything parents would say, they may talk about how they've done so much. But what they hear is whine, 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 grumble, grumble, grumble. I'll let you in on a little secret. We all do it. When things get hard, when we're afraid, when being a leader is hard, when it's a long time before we can see the goal, when we are hungry, when we are tired, and when we are thirsty. And that hunger and thirst is not necessarily just for physical things, but maybe we're hungry and thirsty for more spiritual things. We're also sometimes just done with the journey before we get there. So they say it would be better for God's own hand to kill us in the land of Egypt because we don't, because at least there we had enough to eat. You know, imagine with me for a moment that Moses replied, we've just gotten started. Hold on. We've got 40 years of wilderness to go. 40 years. Think about that for a minute. I'm 61. That would be entirely a third of my life or two-thirds of my life to wander Really, that was a lifetime under those circumstances, a lifetime of wandering and marrying and giving birth, burying the dead, and getting into arguments and wondering what God meant by sending people, so many people, into the wilderness without the proper provisions. And right here, we're just at the very beginning of that journey. Let's pause for a moment here and consider our own wildernesses, our own deserts. I'm thinking about the times when we feel like we are between a rock and a hard spot. We might be in a space where everything familiar seems so far away. Death of a loved one, maybe loss of a job, <laughs> a global pandemic, we can all, we've all experienced that. Wildfires like happened a while back and for us, projects that take far too long to complete would be a few of those things. Confusion and fear become the norm when those kinds of things happen. For this congregation, getting to this place, this time, this hope, has been a desert experience if ever there was one. In Bill Heibel's book, now I don't, I don't, like a lot of the stuff that we read about Bill Hybels, but in this book that I read many, many moons ago, I read where Bill talks about not wanting to be here and not sure how to be there, being in the middle 
in the desert with an eye to either side, crying out to God for help, praying hard for this to end so that we can move forward. In that space is where these people found themselves. Egypt was really hard. Being in the desert was really hard, and they couldn't quite see the promised land. And they wandered, and they wandered, and they wandered. The story goes on to say that God answered their call by sending them something to eat. First it was the quail, and I'm sure that they figured out what quail was for. But, you know, I don't know about you, quails aren't very big. But it tells us that it covered the camp. So there must have been plenty of that for everyone. But then God sent them this other thing, and their response to it was, what is it? Literally, literally that's what the, the word manna means. What is it? There's a story that I actually told about a year ago in kind of a more simplified form, but this is a story I want to share with you today because it kind of frames what we're talking about. A very religious man was once caught in rising flood waters. He climbed onto the roof of his house and trusted God to rescue him. A neighbor came by in a raft and said, the waters will soon be above your house Hop in and we'll paddle to safety. No thanks, said the man. I prayed to God and I'm sure he will save me. A short time later, the police came by in a rowboat. The waters will soon be above your house. Hop in and we'll take you to safety. No thanks, replied the religious man. I prayed to God and I'm sure God will save me. A little later, a rescue services helicopter hovered overhead, let down a rope and ladder and said, the waters will soon be above your house. Climb the ladder and we'll fly you to safety. No thanks, said the man. I prayed to God and I'm sure God will save me. You can guess what happened. All the time the floodwaters continued to rise until soon they reached above the roof and the man drowned. When he arrived in heaven, he demanded an audience with God. Ushered into the throne room, he said, Lord, why am I here in heaven? I prayed for you to save me. I trusted you to save me from the flood. Oh, yes, you did, my child, replied the Lord. And I sent you a raft, a rowboat, and a helicopter, but you never got in. What more did you expect? Like the Israelites who looked at the manna and said, what is it? Like the man who saw, God, who saw the things that came to save him is not coming from God because the man was expecting something else. Sometimes we might not see the help that God has sends us because we have our own idea on what that help should be.
In the book of Exodus, manna is described as being a fine flake-like thing, like frost on the ground. It's described in the book of Numbers as arriving with a dew during the night. The people responded with, what is it? And as we think of the Israelites, we might be able to bring within our consciences a little bit of understanding. You see, it was not the bread that they had in Egypt, but it was the bread they had for today. It was not the same as it had been before, but it was what they had today. And it was right in front of them, and all they had to do was pick it up. But they didn't quite understand God's provision and what it was. And eventually they did figure it out. You know, as I think about those Israelites, and I think about them in their complaining as they're in this desert experience, I think about the times when I complain. You know, as I try to put myself into the story, have you ever done that? To just to, to say, how would I react if that were me? I would struggle to see this flaky substance could be made into bread because it does not look like the flour that we used before. I might fixate on not having the bread that I recognized from before. And I might not be able to see the gift of this flaky substance. Y'all know that I have celiac disease. I actually was diagnosed nine years ago this month. And one of the things about that is I had to learn to accept bread different than bread that I'd known all my life. Simple things like communion bread need, needed to be gluten-free because that can do damage to my body if it's not. Things, you know, relationships I had with bread had to change. So I kind of get this. They had bread, you know, when they left Egypt, they had unleavened bread. They had bread that they didn't take time for it to rise, and so it was still, it was still bread, though. They had formed it with their own hands. And then they come up with this thing that's bubbled up on the ground. I tend to like to imagine what things might look like, and I'm thinking that it might have looked like cornflakes or, or frosted flakes, maybe, on the ground, and that was supposed to make bread. And I might wonder, what is it? I think the important part of this story isn't the what is it, though. The important part of this story is understanding that God was providing. God gives Moses some instructions on this new thing that they have.
And I think that there's a piece that we're not exactly told in here, but I think is present, and that is that they had to go out and collect it. They had to be open to using this new thing. Change is hard, my friends. When things are uncertain, we tend to get stressed. Even if the change is a good thing. You know? I think probably the biggest thing we can pull away from this story is that God provides in ways that we might not understand. But God gave them this gift that kept them alive. I wonder if you've ever received a gift that you didn't immediately recognize as a gift. I wasn't going to say this today. In fact, I've fought with it in my brain. I have to tell you that I now see celiac as a gift. I do, because it's changed my relationship with food. It changed my relationship with a lot of things. But it, if you'd asked me nine years ago, if it was a gift, there was no way, no how. No way, no how. In June 2021, I got a call from our regional pastor, Doug Wirt, asking me if I would consider coming to PUC for a short-term short interim. He told me that you were a loving church that needed some help in a transition time. You were grieving the loss of not just one pastor, but two. I wasn't sure I wanted to do this. You see, I had planned on having the whole summer off. I almost said no, but I was intrigued. I talked to the, the pastoral search committee a couple of times. There was something about you that drew me. I think it was the passion that I saw for the mission of the congregation. And I have to say that serving a progressive church was certainly a draw to me. When I arrived in early August, I began to see firsthand your loving spirit. Together with the leadership team, we made a plan to reopen the sanctuary for worship. Y'all had been closed for quite a long time due to COVID. We walked through these unprecedented times, but we did it together from serving our neighbors 
to dealing with the challenges of our affordable housing project. We figured it out together. I'm aware that some of you may have asked, what is it when this 60-year-old grandma came to share ministry with you? Some of you might have wondered if I could be up to the challenge here. Maybe wondered how one pastor could, could lead when it took two pastors before. I have to admit, I had a few what-is-it moments as well. And as we approach the end of our time together, I'm so very grateful that God and God's wisdom brought us together. Y'all have seen, you all have been such a blessing to me. God's provisions all the way. We have continued to, we have a continued reminder of God, how God provides for us each time we approach this table. We are reminded of a time when God sent help for us. It might be hard for us to recognize the gift we've been given. He said, this is my body. This is my blood. At first glance, my friends, we might not know what a difference this makes in our life or understand how much we are blessed by this very event this very way of life that is provided for us, broken down to the basic elements, one might say, this is the rowboat. This is the helicopter. This is the raft. Sent for us to save us. And I ask you this, Given what we know about life together, given what we know about a God who provides, given what we know about the love that is ours to reach out and take, I wonder, I just wonder, if you could open your minds and hearts to appreciating what a gift you are. I wonder if you can open your hearts to know that you are love. And I wonder if you can know as you look around this room that you are a gift provided for each other. I wonder, as we begin to close out one thing and open another, I wonder. Amen.